Alone. 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 With Peter. If you ain't first, you're last. Oh, hell, Ricky, I was high when I said that. But that doesn't make any sense at all. First and last. You, you can be second, you can be third, fourth. Hell, you need to be fifth. Did you miss me? We're back for part two or part three. I'm not sure which one it is. I think it might be part three at this point. At this point, yeah, Um, it might be. All right, so I wanted to talk to you about they don't make them like they used to, man. I I get really upset about cell phones in particular, okay? Back in the day, they used to make this stuff so it lasted, okay? The first Google phone. Okay, I own a Google phone. I'm going to go off right now. Oh, I'm angry. Do it. I have a Google phone. I loved Google's phones, okay? The, as much as I've been ragging on Google today, I, I actually use them all the time. That's the funny thing about this tech stuff. It's oh, like, me too. I recognize that I like this stuff. I'm just angry about how they go about sharing my information, man. Yeah. I've owned Android uh, phones for a long time. When I say I have a Google phone, I have their Nexus phone, like the Pixel X okay. 3XL gotcha. is what I own right now. I own their first google phone ever the google nexus and that thing was freaking awesome because it literally never died i put custom software on it i dropped it i practically ran it over with a car i used it for three years then i gave it to my brother and then after my brother used it for two years he gave it to my other brother and it still worked when he was using it for like maybe another year before it broke that phone was one of the first like really touchscreen like not BlackBerry like big one big button yeah, yeah, screen, yeah, yeah but yeah. like really smartphone smartphones out there and it lasted like six years. That's How cool. long does your iPhone last, man? Yeah, I mean I've I have so I have like I have the Moto the Moto Z Force Two. So I had, so like I had Android phones primarily. I did have a couple of iPhones, but I'm more of an Android phone person. Um, And uh, I particularly was really into like the Droid Turbo. And then when, when uh, Lenovo bought out Motorola, then they came out with the Moto Z, which is basically the next kind of version of the Droid Turbo. And, um, I really like, I mean, they're on the Z force four now or something. There's like a fourth generation of it, which I, as far as I understand, as far as I understand it, they haven't changed it much. I have the two and here's the reason why I have the two. I had the one loved it. It was like one of my favorite phones. I mean, it has an awesome camera, all like all this stuff, nice and big. It's super thin. I mean, I have it right here, dude. Like it's like, here's an iPhone seven and here's this thing. It's giant. But then look how thin it is. I mean, it's it's tiny. Um, Ooh, anyways, you guys can't see it, but it's pretty thin, right? Um, that's right. Yeah, we're skyping, so um, so it's great. I love the phone, and I mean, they're and it's they're super cheap. So like, so it's like as much as I love the iPhones, I'm just more of an Android person. And on top of that, I've made this phone last a long like I had the one. But then, like, I switched mobile carriers because I did a huge trip to Europe, like, three years ago now. And so I switched to T-Mobile right – yeah, I switched to T-Mobile right before I left. 
And when I, I switched to T-Mobile right before I left and had basically like a just a cheap phone because I did the whole buy out your contract thing. And so I had to cough up my like Moto Z. And then when we got back, we stayed with T-Mobile and um, Naya ended up like for like my birthday one year getting me like a Z Force 2, which is the phone I still have. And it's awesome. Like I take care of the battery. I, I mean, I've dropped it a couple of times, but I have like a big OtterBox case for it. So like I try to take I try to take care of it. It's an awesome phone. Yeah. But like bottom line, how long have you had it? Like three years. That's a long time for a smartphone. For technology anymore, three years is a long time. You know, like my MacBook Pro is like a twenty fifteen. Granted, I bought it secondhand and it doesn't have a lot of like cycles on the battery. But like I try to take care of my tech because I don't want to have to constantly constantly rebuy it. My car, yeah. the newest vehicle that Naya and I have owned up until five years ago, was my Land Cruiser, and that's a 1989. Like, yeah. that's the new. That's one of the newer vehicles I've owned. I've had like something from 2002, but even then, like for the longest time, Naya's daily car was from 1968. And right before we moved up to the mountains, she bought a 2013 Subaru. <laughs> like, <laughs> why is that that you use? the older cars predominantly is it because you feel like they last longer or is it because you I like the styles longer. more i think i mean my land cruiser has two hundred and fifty thousand miles on it i drive it every day um is it the fastest thing in the world no definitely not it's like probably one of the slowest things in the world but i mean whenever i've had like granted i can do my own work on my own stuff that's that's a completely different thing but like for me personally I would, I can, I like my knowledge of mechanics, which is not, I don't profess to be some like guru mechanic. There's so many people that know so much more than I do, but I know how to fix pretty much everything on that truck. Like, and a lot of it can be done with basic hand tools that you could buy at the hardware store. And, and the cost of owner, I mean, I own it outright. Um, the cost of ownership is relatively low Un- not necessarily for a land cruiser. Cause now they have like a, they have had a cult following for a long time. So they're kind of collectible. So parts and they don't make parts anymore. So it is a bit like the cost of ownership is a little bit up there because parts are hard to find. They cost more, whatever, but either way, it's such a basic and robust vehicle. I would much rather own that, especially for something that I like to get off the grid in you know, when I go camping and stuff and four and four wheel driving and stuff, I'd much rather own that than something really, really modern that you basically need to be an electrical engineer or like someone who knows how to work with computers a lot to work on. Um, that's just me personally. Now, I mean, the quality though is, is huge. I mean, it's, it's built so it's, it's such an over-engineered vehicle. It'll outlive me. Like if I take care of it and then my kid takes care of it and their kid takes care, like it will literally outlive multiple generations of my coming family. Let me ask you this then. Do you think that would be possible with, if you brought a brand new something or other? Uh, it depends. I think it, a lot of it comes down to how you take care of something, right? We live in a very, very wasteful society. We it's because it's all about the next thing. And this kind of circles back to like, we're talking about technology, right? Mm -hmm. Every tech company is always pushing their newest technology, their newest technology. Granted they've turned 
the human desire to always learn <clears throat> and figure out more into a business, right? So in order for them to stay in business, they have to market their ability to discover new technology and sell that technology to keep the lights on. And that has turned humans into very wasteful creatures, in my opinion. Mm. Now, that translates into vehicles because, again, I'm a car person. I'm right. like a, I'm a motorhead. So for me, a car is so much more than the appliance that it is to 95% of the people on this planet. A car is an appliance. It's no different than a washing machine or a microwave. So when your washer breaks, what do you do? You're not going to call the guy to come repair it. You're going to chuck it on Craigslist for 50 bucks and go buy a new one at Home Depot. So, or not even that. You'll just throw it in the dumpster, you know, or you have like some scrap guy come pick it up. You don't get anything for it. And then you have to go spend the money to buy the next thing. And depending on the brand you get, depending on how well you take care of stuff, that technology, the newer it gets, and my, again, will last less and less amount of time because electronics are not as robust, generally speaking. They're not as robust as mechanical things made out of metal and steel and iron and all that. But again, it also depends on how you take care of it, right? Like you could, I, if I owned like a five series BMW, like a 2025 series, I could probably make it last a whole lot longer than most people because I'm conscious about taking care of my vehicles. My, my computer, for example, the MacBook Pro that I owned before my 2015, which my 2015 is already five years old. And the one that I owned before that was a 2012 and I, that I made last until like 2017. So I, I made it last five years. Granted, I, and again, my current laptop, I bought secondhand like six months ago. So it's already old, but it's, you know, it's been well cared for. It's hardly been used. But again, I'll make this last for probably another five years because I just, I want to take care of myself because I don't want to be a wasteful person, but I also don't like want to just keep spending tons and tons of money on tech that's going to be disposable. So kind of circling back to your original point, like is, do they build them like they used to? Definitely, Definitely not. not. How much of that do you think is intentional? Like I would need you to upgrade. I think a lot and of it's therefore I'm going to design it to fail or how much yes. of it do you think is like, well, now that it has more electronics, it's more complicated and therefore it will fail. No, that's that's a good point. I think um, I think that there certainly are engineered failed points in te- and fail points, excuse me, in technology. Well, I, I'm curious about the car perspective because I can definitely think of a few with, for example, phones. The iPhone, for example, Apple was sued like I don't know, it was like a multi-million dollar lawsuit at least because people realized that they actually engineered the software updates to make models that were a few years older, the battery just drain. They made it so that yep. like if, it, if let's say we're on iPhone 8 right now, if you're on an iPhone 5 and you're happy with the performance and you didn't want to upgrade, all of a sudden the new Apple update rolls out that you have to get and boom, you're like having your battery capacity all of a sudden, right? No, I agree. They're engi- they're and purposefully they engineering Crazy those suit. failures in order for, to basically force people to spend money with their brand. And right, I mean, yes. I don't know how that happens with cars or not, though. You I think mean, that's it's happening there vehicles? are certainly. I mean, I there's definitely. I mean, I can't say definitively because they're obviously not going to admit. Right? Freaking all conspiracy theory on the show. Yeah, right. They're, you know, like rain fingers, you know, this is the disclaimer, right? 
But they're, I mean, I don't think they're going to um, disclose, hey, we've engineered this key part in your car. Of course they're not going to. At 100,000 miles. But But the fact of the matter, it's like the, it's like the, it's like the, it's like the, hold on. Hold on. I'm going to say it one more time. It's like the thing we were talking about with Google, right? If you want to use their product, you have to play by their game. Yeah. They're going to take your location information. If they want to use it, they're going to Correct. use it. That's how it rolls these days. If you want a vehicle that's not from 1989, then you have to be ready for it to die after X amount of years. I think yeah. cars last longer than other things do. Do It's like sometimes you're like, wait, why is my... The vacuum, think about vacuum cleaners, okay? Let me just throw it at you like this. No one <laughs> buys true, new vacuum cleaners because vacuum cleaner companies haven't made their stuff to not break yet. They haven't designed their vacuums to break. No. So you can get like a really nice vacuum and that thing lasts forever. It doesn't happen with other like common wholesale appliances, even like a toaster. Why all of a sudden does a toaster break? Like, yeah. it's a freaking toaster, man. All it's yeah. supposed to do is like heat up some iron rods for yeah for toast yeah i mean there's there certainly are in the automotive industry i mean there's again they're not going to advertise hey like we've purposefully engineered this key part in your car to fail so it makes you have to come back in for service but that's true like there are parts and i think it's a bit more commonplace on european cars um where you know the whole there's this whole adage that like if you own a european car like sell it before it hits a hundred thousand miles because it's going to need thousands upon thousands of dollars worth of service and on top of that like as soon as you buy a european car it depreciates like instantly like it's amazing are you like, talking it, about like sports cars i mean like be dude like bmws mercedes audis of any like trim level you could get the base 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 or like the super hyper awesome extra performance model but there, like there's good there certainly is like failure points in a lot of these really high-end cars and not necessarily like exotics and stuff and like collectible stuff yeah you're not like, like maseratis or Ferraris yeah but like everyday usable vehicles of different trim levels from in, in european cars i mean it's it's def it's certainly um kind of ironic that a lot of key things across a lot of platforms and a lot of automotive manufacturers will fail Versus at certain Korean points. cars last a long time. Okay, there's something to be said about that because Asian cultures are not wasteful. I mean, you would think it's kind of funny because a lot of technology has come out of there, but I think generally, and you lived in Korea, you lived in Korea for a couple of years. So like you, I mean, I think culturally they don't necessarily want, I mean, yes, the humans, as I said before, are very wasteful people in general, but like you look at the longevity of like Japanese cars, for example, like you're going to see, I mean, you're going to see it like a Honda or a Toyota on the road a lot longer than you're going to see like an Audi or a BMW or whatever, you know? So there's something to be said about the longevity of cars. I mean, granted, I think a lot of the stuff where it's like, if, if we're talking like new, 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 like 2018, 2019 and up, right. It is pretty incredible that, they're the, the cars that are built today are actually pretty robust like well and i was gonna say that's an important point to make like like these cars are definitely upgrades you know what i mean like the gas mileage is getting better the like the you know the handling the safety features stuff like that yeah i'm not saying that like oh like never buy this car because like that's not the case but it's interesting how engineering works right I don't I don't know if I can get into uh about like 
the process of like why they engineer things the way they do, but it does seem like you're saying Japanese Toyota, Honda, Korean. Yeah, you're like Hyundai, Kia, Kia. all these these, like those cars last a long time. The parts are cheap. Uh, and people beat them up pretty... too. I mean, they're commuter cars, dude. I mean, I like, gosh. I mean, living in Southern California, you see some gnarly drivers on the road. I mean, it's incredible, like how hard people. Well, it's drive interesting their cars, how many of those cars get designed them. for us too. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's very true. You saw cars in Korea that I'm sure you have never seen before, and you would never see them here ever. There's a couple brands that I saw in Malaysia that were electric cars that I'd never seen before. I think they're probably yeah. Chinese cars. A lot of I Chinese never, cars. I was like, are in what that part brand of the world, is that? Um, Singapore is interesting because they don't want people driving there. No, it could, the so cost of they make it so you have insane. to get a really, really, really new car and you pay a hundred percent tax on the car. Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's actually an insane thing. And it works really well for not getting people to drive because their public transportation is good. It's an interesting thing. No, I know like Singapore is one of those countries where a car here that is moderately collectible right like like say like a like a ferrari it probably came from it probably came from there because i bet you could get some steals because what they end up having to do is they have to sell it off well see like like a car that say would like a collectible car or uh, what would be considered a cool car in this country say it runs like 60 grand it's like 200 in singapore like two hundred thousand dollars. So like, but they can it's only drive it for like three years before money. they have to sell it, or like five yeah. years or something. And it's and crazy. even then, I know like in Japan, they uh, I, and it sounds like in Singapore as well. From your from what you were saying, um, they heavily incentivize their people to upgrade their car every couple of years, and they and they specifically they center it around the no. They center it around Singapore. the notion of this is a more fuel efficient, economical, and environmentally huh. friendly car than the last one you bought two years ago but interesting yeah yeah well it's a very different obviously very different part of the world yeah um and singapore specifically uh from my understanding it's more about they're really trying to de-incentivize people from driving at all yeah so the people who drive have a lot of money and they want people to know that they can drive and so they're not even driving like like a meat you're not going to see like a lot of mediocre cars unless they're like taxis there you see a lot of nice cars yeah i couldn't imagine a world where I don't drive. It's crazy. <laughs> when I stayed with my professor over there, he was telling me that they, that you can only own the car for a certain period of time before you either have to get a newer car. Like it's it's not going to be legal there after a certain point. So they end up selling cars Jeez. to other places. Yeah, which is kind of crazy. It's just like a status symbol thing, basically. Yeah. Um, But, I mean, okay, so getting back to the other stuff, like I feel like vehicles – and technology and all that stuff has been getting no better over time. I do find like it's it's frustrating how often stuff will break on you. Yeah. Uh, or like for example, the batteries on stuff going out. And yeah. I feel like that's a good spot for me to get into this. What do you think about Elon Musk? What do you think about electrical vehicles? And what about those batteries, bro? You made a really good point to me about the batteries before that I had never thought about because everybody drives electric cars in California. You just charge them up. They seem like a really great idea, and they're really eco-friendly. Question mark. I hope you've really been enjoying the interview so far with Zach Martin. We really need your help here at Alone with Peter to rate, review, subscribe to the show so we can move it up the podcast charts. 
Don't forget to stick around past the credits as we have a tease for next week's episode. Got a special guest giving his own review of the show and telling us what he's talking about on Alone with Peter. Hope to hear from you guys then. All right, back to it. Starting with Elon Musk, I have nothing against him personally because, yeah, he's he's a very interesting, very eclectic human being. And yeah, he I love is, his stuff with Joe Rogan. It's interesting. Yeah, like, I mean, what other, like, multi-multi-millionaire, I don't think he's a billionaire. He might be. I don't know. I don't, I don't keep know. up on this stuff. But, I mean, he, he's a very, very wealthy person. What what wealthy person do you know or other one that do you know that would willingly go on the podcast of the dude that used to host Fear Factor, smoke a joint, and, like, talk about the future? $38.9 billion, bro. Wait, billion? 38.9. That's what it okay. says here so, yeah. on the so, so, yeah, he's. So, yeah, he's – I'm not surprised. So what billionaire would go on, like, you know, a podcast in, that gets millions upon millions of views? Right, smoke a joint and talk about technology in the future. Like he is, he's definitely he is a billionaire for the youthful oh, person. Oh, that was really for, bad for the press for him too. People were mad at him for that. I remember. Right, and so it's like, oh, you should uphold this standard. And he's like, like who cares? Like screw all you people. Like I'm gonna do what I want. And and I guess that's one element that I do like about him. But, but specifically, segueing more into Tesla as a company, I fundamentally disagree with literally every element of it um mainly so the part that i disagree with the well not the most but a part i disagree with in particular is about is centered around how they allow someone to own a vehicle i would equate owning a tesla car more to owning a phone like a piece of technology than i would to owning a car because like a like a big tech company like apple or google or whatever I mean, the way that you, uh, you know, update your car is like how you update a phone. It's over the cloud. If there's a new bit of software for the car that controls it in a certain way, they'll download it to your car overnight. And, you know, or yeah, and they, they have other ways to incentivize you to constantly upgrade or stay, stay current. Um, there is no support for like, there's very little to no support for like a secondhand Tesla. There's actually a guy on YouTube that I, I highly recommend you check out. Um, it's a, it's I never a, even thought about buying a secondhand Tesla. So that's it's, an interesting point. It's it's a YouTube channel called Rich Rebuilds on YouTube. Um, you know, Rich, I've actually done a story on uh, a car that he built uh, when I was still at Hot Rod Magazine. I'm not plugging him here or anything, but it is really interesting because um, he he provides a really interesting insight into the kind of the back end of car ownership when you have a Tesla. Um, like if you have a Tesla that's too old, if you want to like go to a supercharging station that like charges, recharges your car faster, if it's too old, they won't support it because they want you to buy a, a new car. And actually this guy is kind of, uh, become famous for on YouTube, at least for, for restoring old, uh, and, and rebuilding salvaged Teslas and making whole cars out of them on his own. And, and that's not a thing you can do. And in fact, Tesla strongly discourages that and they can, they'll actually like sue you in some States if you try to do that. Granted, he lives, he lives in Massachusetts where he's protected by a certain like little small business law in the County that he lives in that allows him to get around that. But, um, but so, so anyways, around the ownership, they, it's just, they're very, um, I mean, like 
you can, if you are savvy enough to do this, you're able to go in and you can see like the camera files that like all the cameras that are around the car and they can like see you like walk in, they can see you like walk into your house. They can read your address like up there. Not that you couldn't do it from your phone or whatever, but like they, it, a car company knows as much information about you as a tech company that, you know, a, like where you would buy. A That's phone. interesting. Life is always on now. That is a part about it that can be really overwhelming about. I mean, they'll life. do, they'll learn your I daily commute. I really do have a love hate relationship oh, with me technology too. because I mean, we're using it to do this show We're we're doing. Yeah, exactly. Like we could, we couldn't do this. Like Adobe you know, products, yeah. um, you know, I love it because I can keep in contact with people that I know from across the world. You talk about the virtual stuff. Yeah. Um, we've been able to do well in quarantine. I have a really a lot of love for what tech does, but it's scary how much the convenience is at a cost. Oh yeah. People don't, I don't think people actually really put like a, a lot of thought into goods outweighing the negatives and not that, there's so many negatives that it's like, oh, I'm going to become a Luddite well, and live in a mountain know. and never like look at a screen again. Like that's just kind of unrealistic. It's hard to know what is what is like the point where you say, screw it, I don't need it anymore. Because yeah. I feel like most of us think – like I'm one of the most – when you get, you get me on this topic, I'm pretty vocal about like oh, I don't like how much people share information and like personal advertising. Not a fan of it. Collecting yeah. my metadata and selling it to other companies, definitely not a fan of it. No, oh, yeah. Using it to police me or like whatever, definitely, definitely not a fan of oh, it. Oh, I agree. But totally. at the same time, I still use it. Yeah. I spend too much time on it, but you still need it for work. You know? Yeah, so it's, exactly. It's a challenging thing to know when do I when do I say like screw it, I don't need it. It's so it's so ingrained in our daily lives now, literally in every element that it, it takes a, a a very very hard lifestyle change in a completely different direction to oust it out of your life. I know people who have. I've spent most of 2018 not on social media at all. Um, It was actually great. I'm sure it was. But that's a hard thing as a car guy. Yeah. Well, and see, that was the thing. I mean, like it's so much of what I do is, is, is dependent on social media exposure it was a nice reset because then I was able to get back onto a social media platform and actually attack like for a purpose, like, Hey, this is exactly what I'm doing with it. I'm not just going to surf around on here and, and waste my life away. And it actually has made it a lot easier for me to, to use the platform for more like constructive and, and have a lot more kind of purpose behind it. But I agree. Like you saying life is always on now. I mean, a lot of the, you know, obviously technology that we use every day on our personal you know, on a personal level, like our phones and stuff, it's, it's always on, but even now, like with Tesla's and stuff, like the cars are always on and they're always, you know, doing stuff. I mean, they learn your community with like autonomous driving, for example. Yeah. I was going to ask you about that. Cause to be honest, self-driving cars, I don't, uh, nope. I don't know if I'd ever be willing to, nope. I just, uh, I'm going to say it right now. I don't think I'm ever willing to buy one. The no. reason being, I know that software is buggy. So what happens yeah. when the software or the camera – and, like, I'm not always replacing every single part of my car, right? The camera goes out for some reason mm -hmm. on the left side, and now all of a sudden my car thinks it can do blah, 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 but it can't. Like, I just don't feel like there's not going to be a situation where the self-driving software is great until there's an update and then there's a bug and then you crash. Or self-driving software is great 
until it doesn't realize for some reason that one of your cameras doesn't work and it drives you into a brick wall or something. <laughs> right. I've seen, I've seen videos of people in dense New York traffic. Oh, yeah. Uh, like being like the test benders. pilots, air quotes on this, but test pilots of these self-driving cars. And that sounds like an absolute nightmare to me. And yet some people are still willing to like just to kind of fall asleep, conk out, whatever. It's not for me personally. I, just, but... I don't know if I could do it. Yeah, I mean, that's not to say that, you know, when I say I fundamentally disagree with the way Tesla is, like, on every level, it, it doesn't necessarily stem from the technology. Because I actually think the technology is really, really cool. Like, electrified power from, like, you know, again, from a car guy standpoint is actually pretty incredible. Like, it's cool stuff. I think I think the they technology... They fast, too, man. They're wicked quick. They're like, really fast. They're it's cool a really, cars. really interesting technology. I think it's really, really cool. I think a lot of the... I think where where the the problems that I have with it is centered mainly around the ethics of of what it is to own or what it means or what life is like when you own an electric vehicle. I never thought about those two things in particular. Yeah, owning a car and ethics. Since when is that a thing? Well, the secondhand nature of the car, that's an interesting one because you buy cars secondhand all the time. Some people never buy a brand new car. I've never bought a new car in my life. I've never bought a brand new car either. Um, and then the other side of it being the how much of your information is stored and gathered by the company itself. That's an interesting point as well that you wouldn't normally think about with cars, but cars are always on now too. Yeah, um, yeah. But I'd be curious. I, I feel like I don't know. I don't know if you know about this or not uh, more than you mentioned before. But you made a really good point to me one time. We were talking about Elon Musk, and that was about batteries because. Yeah. I feel like the battery that they use for that car is really big and it dies at some point, right? So, I mean, they do. You're actually able to kind of like rebirth the cells of the battery when they go flat over time. And that's a whole like chemical process that I have no clue about really in terms curious, of like the nitty gritty like, details of how it works. Well, the, pro- the problem is, and conveniently because my fiance is a geologist and knows a lot about earth science and stuff like that. Um, she's I'll get her on the show. Why I know we need to get, here? yeah, you should get her on to like really <laughs> explain thoroughly, uh, more so than I can, but like the heavy metals that are in these batteries cannot be recycled like full stop. Like, like a PhD person saying that, Oh yeah, they can, unless there's like new technology out there that allows you to, as of right now, they cannot be recycled. Because of the literally the elements. Yeah, exactly. And so when you just like when a battery goes dead, especially a big one, and you just like chuck it in the ground somewhere, that's going to completely toxify and destroy any sort of natural ecosystem in that area. And and there is literally nothing you can do about it. Like that whole part of the natural earth has been completely ruined. And and it's to know if there's. I would be curious to know if there's research there's on this as far as like what happens like wh- like for example where does uh, Tesla store their nuclear waste? Yeah, I mean there are obviously I would imagine there's tons of regulations surrounding that. Yeah, um, but I I can also speak more to sort of the front end of it. So. Um, and this is why I also kind of have a fundamental problem with hybrid cars, electric cars too. I mean, Tesla, I can't really knock on too hard. Cause I mean, yes, 
they do keep a lot of their manufacturing in the United States, more so than a lot of other car companies, which I can appreciate because I'm all about keeping jobs here. Like that's awesome. Um, but the big problem that I have with other like hybrid, hybrid technology and hybrid cars, particularly the companies that make them is that they're, you know, tooting the horn of, Oh, they get like 50 miles to the gallon. Like they'll save you a ton of money. They hardly use any fuel, but they, they will not communicate because it'd be stupid from a business standpoint for them to do so that they're actually really, really terrible for the environment. Maybe not now. If I was buying a hybrid car, I was thinking, oh, that's a more that's a more eco-friendly car because I'm not using as much gasoline. Yeah, you're using less fuel. You're using the internal combustion engine to charge the batteries and blah, blah, blah. Like there's, there's a right. lot of pluses to it, certainly. But also, consumers aren't considering the front end of that entire ownership process. So before you even like get the title signed into your name and throw the keys and you drive your brand new Prius off the lot, that car has been around the world more times than most people will ever go in their life. Like the bat, like a, a Prius battery, like right when they came out. And again, I think the manufacturing process is, is similar, maybe not exactly the same, but like the, the battery in a Prius will have gone around the world multiple times before it actually ends up in a car. Why? Because they're harvesting heavy metals and different materials that go into that battery and chemicals that go into that battery from different parts in the world. And so instead, and, and because of that, like the, because of the nature of the chemicals and, and all of the materials that are in this battery, they like, inst they, in put one element of it together, then ship it here. They put the other element together, then they ship it there. Then so they put another element together. So they're flying different spots and you're saying all the shipping of it is what's causing So that. how much energy, how much fossil fuel, how much t how, like how many resources are being expended to make one element of a car? And there's thousands upon thousands upon thousands of parts of a car and they're all traveling all over the world getting made. So by the time you see that Prius and you're driving around, sure, you can save a ton of money every month on your on your fuel bill, and you. but thinking you're driving around in, like, such an eco-friendly car is actually, like, complete misinformation. And, again, like, yes, the car manufacturers definitely know what's going on, but they're making money. They don't care. They're going to do whatever. It's, it's up to the, more up to the consumer. I think more than they realize that if they actually wanted to make a proper ecological and environmentally kind of friendly change to the way that greenhouse gases are emitted in cars and, and all this, I would argue you're better off buying a car from the 60s, driving it every day in traffic, spending more money on fuel because it'll use more fuel. That is a more ecologically friendly automobile than a Prius, specifically because cars in the 60s were built in this country with workers that lived and worked here with materials that were mined here so so for example um sorry about that something just fell down next to me so for example like naya's 1968 mustang right that car was built in san jose california at a plant owned by ford right and that car never left California. It's always been in California. My Mustang that I owned up until about a year ago was also built in San Jose, California. I bought it from, I, I'm the first owner out of the family that originally bought it that lived in Oxnard. And then I brought it down to Orange County. So it, it hardly moved over its entire lifetime, right? The carbon footprint of that car is minimal 
compared to the carbon footprint of a Prius. I wonder how often that's the case, though, with a like an electric car versus a hybrid car versus um, just a gas. Sure. Like in vehicle. the short term, yes, it's going to cost you if you're if you're like living and working in Southern California, right? It's going to cost you substantially more money to own and operate or maybe not own, but operate that car from a fuel perspective. Yes, you will be using and burning more fuel. Your point is that from our environmental perspective, you might be want to be reconsidering whether or not you're really being more eco-friendly with the electric or the hybrid. Yeah, you're hurting the planet less, in my opinion. And actually, I mean, there's there's tons of research to back this up out there. You're doing the planet more of a disservice by buying something brand new every two years, whether it's a hybrid or not, than you would be if you were keeping your old car on the road. Case in point, my Land Cruiser. It's got yeah. a ton of miles on it, and I have I have it's 1989. I have no uh, yeah, it gets terrible mileage. I don't care. Like, I will own that truck until the day I die. Granted, again, I'm a car person. Car people are like that. When they buy something that they really really like, they're gonna hold on to it. Sure, but you know, I I just new like the again this kind of ties back into the whole comment i made earlier about humans being an incredibly wasteful species we've been kind of trained into doing that over and over and over as the decades have gone on as technology gets cooler it's consumerism exactly like and again like yes you can say that we're wasteful people but at the end of the day like spending money keeps the economy going and look at right now coronavirus no one's working no one's making money you can't spend money the economy is in the tank like you know doing horrible so it's you can't really say like oh this will change everything it, it won't but um i think it's it's a part of of everyday life and consumerism and like vehicle ownership and and even just you know, like an environmental kind of thought process and an economic thought process that most people don't touch on and they don't consider. I, I've never heard that perspective of it myself, and th so I appreciate you sharing it. I will say one thing, and I think we'll wrap up the show on this point, uh, Zach. I really appreciate your perspective as a car guy and a motorsports guy because I've seen you work on a professional level. Um, I obviously know you as a friend. I, I really appreciate talking with you. You're always a lot of fun. Um, and so I always appreciate that as someone who doesn't know as much about cars, you can kind of explain some of this stuff to me. Um, I feel like Elon Musk is really interesting individual just as a person. No, I, mean, I agree. SpaceX I agree. Is he an is, he's an interesting idea. dude. He's also pretty much like a lot of my inspiration for some of my best dystopian ideas because oh, like, yeah. the types of things that his company and other companies like his are trying to do are things that haven't been done. So it is really exciting slash scary. Elon Musk has been kind of trying to say that at some point he has the ability to make human beings use telepathy. Telepathy. I mean, I feel like if anyone on earth was going to do that, it would be him. <laughs> <laughs> it's an interesting and you know it's an interesting thing it's like well that sounds like sci-fi sci at best right but there's this guy who's already had so i was paraplegic quadriplegic i believe and he had this um operation done where they basically uh inserted a chip into his brain and the reason why they're able to do it on him voluntarily of course was because of the fact that he doesn't do a lot of moving because this particular chip i think it's done in the 90s Oh, wow. Uh, you can that's look it like, up. Wow. You can that's look it up. It's done a long time ago, but it's a big chip. 
and it's not very flexible. So for like the average person, it would be very damaging to their brain. Yeah, yeah. It's able to read the electrical impulses of this man's brain, and then he's hooked up to a computer, and he was able to play Pong with his mind. You know, the old like computer game where you have like the moving pieces. That was done in the nineties. In the nineties. They hooked this guy up to this computer. Basically, Elon Musk's concept is that he can create the very small processing chip that's more flexible. I think it's about the size of your fingernail and and, and width. And it's very flexible and they can make them with like, I don't know, like um, an AI computer is like stitching them together or whatever. Yeah. And then they do a less invasive procedure still inserted into your brain. Don't get me wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Less invasive uh, surgery. And the idea is that if you... The way he presents it is very like, uh, you know, appealing in a certain, or not appealing, but it makes sense to me, I guess. Yeah. You process something in your brain, then you use your vocal cords to express it out loud. Then you've got yeah. the medium in between. You write the airwaves or whatever, there's whatever disruption going on. You hear it, you process it, and you respond. That's a lot of steps that occur for oh, ver- yeah. verbal communication. He's saying that's an archaic form of communication. Why don't we just decode what your brain is saying through stimulus to the chip, have the chip send out, I don't know, it's not Bluetooth, but whatever kind of radio. I see what you mean, though. Your chip decodes it, goes to your brain, and voila, you're reading the picture in my brain without any verbal communication. See, I can see how that would make sense. On a surface level, on a surface level, that's amazing. Yeah. And it's That's also insane. going to destroy the planet if it ever happens. It scares me to death, but it's going to make a great novel idea. Mind-bottling, isn't it? Did you just say mind-bottling? Yeah, mind-bottling. You know, when things are so crazy, it gets your thoughts all trapped like in a bottle. Yeah, from from my perspective, because I'm, I mean, yes, I, I'm relatively, I like to think I'm relatively tech-savvy, but... Again, like thinking of like from more of a mechanized perspective, it actually kind of does make sense that if if a chip was inserted into the brain to be able to Neuralink, translate. by the way, is the name of that technology. That sounds like a sci-fi novel. It kind of does. So if you were able to have a chip embedded in your brain that was able to translate like a stimulus from the brain into a readable and transmittable code that could then go to something else and make it act upon it. It's basically like taking the speaking to your like echo dot in your house and translating it into like just taking the talking out of it. And I think it would make sense if there was a receiver on the other end that like that I could see that actually being a thing. Now being able to like telepathically control like a spoon on a table like that. And what was that movie? Um, The Sixth Sense. You know, that's not gonna happen. Like. Realistically, well, I mean, it no, could happen. That's, telekin- that's telekinesis. That's like telekinesis. That's, that's like telekinesis. a whole other level. Of, of that's insanity. a totally different. That totally different thing. Telepathy is just like the transmission of your mind, right? I could see but that being a thing. That could be a thing, and to me, be a terrifying thing on so many levels. But I draw a lot of inspiration for this current technology. Uh, and then just like kind of branching out like 30 years in the future, what the world would look like. I feel like it'd be a pretty scary place. I feel like no one would be talking to each other. I think there'd be a lot of of cyber terrorists. 
that would just steal your yeah. ideas from your brain. You need a VPN, NordVPN on the on the dome. You know? Yeah, that's the thing. Could people hack oh. your brain then and like make your oh, body like you could actually like your ideas they could pretty much like, take you over. Candidate, beep beep boop boop. Gotta kill this podcast. I mean, like actually, like that would be legitimate theft of your entire intellectual property literally stolen almost yeah. physically someone's like yeah that yeah. would actually like end the world i think or society oh, as yeah. we know it for sure and we would never be think about it for us from this perspective even if that didn't happen we would stop talking yeah there would be no podcast There'd be no alone with Peter. In Dude, we couldn't. We couldn't do this if that was technology. We would not be able to do this. I'd be. Tra- I'd have to globally transmit from my brain to everyone else. That'd be scary, dude. <laughs> <laughs> now that's scary. Could you imagine everybody being forced to listen to me? <laughs> All right. Well, <laughs> you got a better idea of what we're gonna call this now? Maybe. I think, I mean, definitely um, something technologically centered. I think that was kind of the crux of a lot of our conversation. Yeah, um, I think so. Media ethics, yeah. Yeah. Elon Musk, dystopian futures. Yeah. Just ethics and ending. technology. Is it, you know, who'd have thought? Ugh. Who'd have thought? Who'd have thunk, man? Well, yeah. I loved having you on the show, buddy. Thanks for talking with me. Hey, for man, so I had long. a blast. Well, this has been a while in the making. I'm stoked we got to do it. Well, if listeners want to check out what you're doing, uh, where can they go? For now, I mean, Instagram's kind of the best way to see anything I'm up to. Um, it's just Z Martin Media. For any of my visual stuff that I've done, be it like videos or photos or anything like that, most of that stuff's going to be on like my Instagram. Then I'll pass you off the info to my website once that's done. And, uh, and yeah, but it's been fun, man. Thanks. Oh, dude, the pleasure is all mine. And you've worked on some amazing products over the years. And I think it'll be fun for people to check those out if they want to. Z Martin Media. You heard it from the man himself, Zach Martin. He's graced us with his presence on the show the last two weeks where we've been talking about motorsports and mayhem and everything in between. Thank you so much for being on the show, Zach. And I hope you're back on again soon. Oh, for sure. We're going to make this happen again. Absolutely. Well, I hope you, the listeners, really enjoyed that interview with Zach Martin on Motorsports and Mayhem. But please don't go away yet because we have a special preview of next week's episode. We got a brand new guest on the show, and I can't wait for you guys to hear from him. His name is Rodolfo Fava. Coming up next on Alone with Peter. Hi, everyone. If you're like me and enjoy the Alone with Peter podcast for its diverse content, covering topics from self-improvement, the occasional audiobook narrations, and the in-depth casual talks with guests about their passion, stay tuned for the next couple of weeks to check out my talk with Peter on the show, where we discuss my experience as a game development student, why I like games so much, and the cultural shock I had as an international student from Brazil in the Netherlands, where I've met this awesome host on my first year of my bachelor degree. Oh, and if you dig the episode on motorsports with Zach, you're in for a treat as I'm also gonna talk about my graduation project, an anti-gravity racing game. Stay safe and see you soon at Alone with Peter.